Well, I want to share with you just briefly this evening on the basis of one verse of Scripture. Uh, the verse will be on the screen, but I want us to look at a verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. What's interesting about this verse is the context is not really about Christmas. The context is uh, not primarily theological. It's not even primarily about the person and work of Jesus. The context of this passage is giving. It's an incredibly practical verse. Uh, Paul is reminding the Corinthians of their commitment to their brothers and sisters in Christ. It's so interesting because he never even mentions money. He just gives them the greatest example of sacrificial giving ever known to man, which is Jesus Christ. And in this one verse, I think we get the essence of Christmas. And certainly we get the essence of the grace of God. In fact, the verse begins with, you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Grace is the key that unlocks all the mysteries of the gospel. If you don't understand the key of grace, you'll be locked out of all the wonders of the beautiful gospel message. Paul says, this is grace. He says, you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, Jesus was rich. It's a good reminder that the, the existence of Christ does not begin in a stable in Bethlehem. Jesus has eternally existed because he is God. Colossians 1 says that he's the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things have been created, both in the heavens and the earth, invisible and visible, whether thrones, dominions, rulers, or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. So how rich was Jesus? He owns it all. You could take the Forbes list of the most wealthy people in the world today, uh, add up all their wealth and assets, and it wouldn't even be a drop in the ocean in comparison to the riches and the glory of Jesus Christ. In fact, all that anyone has is on loan from God. The title deed to the earth has been given to Christ. But this passage isn't really talking about material possessions or wealth. It's talking about the spiritual riches of Christ's glory. Paul said in Philippians that although he existed in the form of God, that if you and I were in heaven prior to that first Christmas, we would have seen in some sense the triune being of God. And one of those beings would have been just as the others in all the fullness of glory as God the Son. Meaning Jesus displayed the fullness of the glory of God, full angelic worship and the complete outworking of divine power. Folks, there's no way we can begin to comprehend the infinite nature of the wealth and riches of Christ's glory. But this passage tells us that while he was rich, he became poor. He impoverished himself. He gave it up. He didn't cease to be God. He's eternally God. But, but he emptied himself of the form of God. He voluntarily laid aside the use of his divine power, entered into the womb of a woman so that he could be born and ultimately so that he might die. Can you imagine the conversation between God and the angel Gabriel? Gabriel, I need you to go down and visit Mary in Nazareth. And Gabriel responding, Lord, with all due respect, I think we can do better in Nazareth. It's the armpit of Galilee. And Mary, such a young girl, not even married, working class. For the King of kings and the Lord of lords, surely we can do better than a stable in a manger. But it says he became poor. Jesus was born and raised in a family that probably lived below the poverty line. 
As a baby, he was hated. Herod pursued him and tried to kill him. Can you imagine Jesus as a young boy opening the scroll of Isaiah and reading from Isaiah 53 that he was pierced through for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities, the chastening for our well-being fell upon him, and by his scourging we are healed. And Jesus beginning to realize that that passage of scripture is about him. He became poor. When he grew up, he began his ministry, had no real support, no earthly comfort, never had a home. Foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. He made the Grand Canyon, and he never had an earthly home. He was denied by his closest friends. He was killed on a cross. As he died, all of his possessions were gambled for by soldiers who were able to carry away all of his earthly possessions in their pockets. He suffocated and died on a cross from the glory of God to putting himself under the wrath of God as innocent on the cross. He allowed the full cup of God's judgment and wrath to be poured out upon him as he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He was born in a borrowed manger, preached from a borrowed boat, entered Jerusalem on a borrowed donkey, ate the last supper in a borrowed room, and was buried in a borrowed tomb. He's the God of all creation, yet he knew pain and hunger and thirst and injustice and cruelty and mockery. He was tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he was without sin. He felt the full force of Satan's attacks from the beginning to the end of his life. So when it says he became poor, don't picture Jesus walking in on the red carpet like some kind of Hollywood elite. No, he went straight for the gutters. From the heights of heaven to the very foot of the ladder to hell. Paul said it this way, that although he exists in the form of God, he did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped or clung to at all cost. But he emptied himself, taking the form of a bond slave, being made in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death and even death on a cross. It's the greatest descent ever known to man. And here's the, here's the important question, Why? Why would he do this? That's why the most important part of this verse is that phrase, for your sake. He did this for you. He saw you in your impoverished condition. He saw you in your poverty. And he had a choice. He could keep the riches of his glory in heaven, allow you and I to die and go to hell, or he could give up his glory, come to earth, and provide a way of salvation through his death. But he couldn't have both. He couldn't keep the riches of his glory and provide you and I with the riches of salvation. So it was his glory or your salvation, and which did he choose? He chose you. He chose to leave the glory of heaven to save you from your impoverished condition. Now, some of you, you're thinking in your mind right now, you're saying, Pastor, I don't know what you've heard about me, but I'm not poor. I'm not impoverished. I'm doing quite well. Not wealthy, but I got some money, nice job, good home, 401k, family's doing fine. Listen to me very carefully tonight on the basis of God's word. If you are here today and you've never placed your faith in Jesus Christ, you are spiritually bankrupt. I don't care how much stuff you have, how good your life, apart from Christ, you are broke and you are in a dangerous place because scripture says that all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Every one of us is a sinner. And the Bible says the wages of sin is death. That's not me talking, that's scripture. And one day, know this, you're going to stand before God. And in that moment, all the money in the world will not help you. 
It won't matter what you've accomplished. It won't matter all that you've accumulated. All that stuff will be burned away like chaff in the presence of God. And in the presence of the, the glory and the riches of Jesus Christ, the depth of your own poverty will be fully exposed. And apart from the righteousness of Christ imputed to your account on the basis of faith, you'll be separated from God forever in a place called hell. But here's the best part. Listen to me. This is the best part of Christmas. It says, for your sake he became poor so that through his poverty you might become rich. See, Christ in his incarnation, his death and resurrection, he's initiated the greatest gift exchange ever known to man. You can't miss this. That by faith you give Christ the depth of your sinfulness and he imputes to your account on the base of faith the riches of Christ's righteousness. Listen to me tonight. There's no one more wealthy in all the world than the person who has Christ. No matter what your physical or financial circumstances are this Christmas, if you have Christ, you're eternally wealthy. Number one, you're rich in forgiveness. Your sins are forgiven. They're as far as the east is from the west. You're a new creation in Christ Jesus. The old things have passed. The new things have come. God now looks at you through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. You know what he calls you? He calls you a saint. Through faith in Christ, you're justified. You're declared righteous in the sight of God. And nothing can separate you from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. You're rich in friendship with God. The Holy Spirit dwells inside of you. He gives you the strength and the peace to make it through each day. You're a child of God. John says, what a great love the Father has lavished upon us that we should be called his children. Not only are we his children, we get to cry out to him as Abba, Father. Paul says, for you've not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you've received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. You're rich in an internal inheritance in the certainty of heaven. Paul says in Romans 8, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we're the children of God. And if children, heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs of Christ, that in Christ you have an inheritance that's imperishable, undefiled. It will not fade away. It's reserved in heaven for you who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation that's ready to be revealed in the last time. If you've trusted in Christ by faith, you're blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus and no matter what no matter what happens to you during this temporary time here on earth your light and momentary affliction as Paul says is achieving for you an eternal weight of glory that's far beyond all comparison Paul says no eye has seen no ear has heard what God has prepared for those who love him. In fact, your eternal destination through faith in Christ is so secure that Paul says you've been raised up and seated with Christ in the heavenly places, meaning your salvation is so secure we can, we can talk about it as if it's already occurred. That's the riches that Christ has secured for us. So what do you gotta do? What do you do to receive this riches? Well, listen to me tonight. It's not, not enough to know about it. Some of you, great story, Christ became poor so that we could become rich. Great story, now let's go home and open some gifts. Listen, it doesn't work that way. It's not enough just to know about it. I say this because every Christmas I speak to a lot of people, believe all the right stuff, really nice people, Merry Christmas, nice to see you. Grateful and thrilled by the opportunity. But listen, that's not what this is all about. My heart aches for well-dressed, well-educated individuals that are lost and remain in their impoverished, sinful condition 
because they've never submitted their life to Christ. And I want to be very clear about something tonight. This is not about a denomination. This is not about a particular church. This is about Jesus, the one who came and lived and died for you. And I'm asking you to sign your name on the line this Christmas to admit that you're a sinner, to admit that you're broke spiritually, that no matter how hard you could try, you could never earn favor with God. That you're spiritually broke and to see Christ as the only means of salvation, that he, he did all the work. He came, he lived the life you couldn't, died the death you should have to secure for you an, an eternal destination and the promise of his presence through faith. And to submit your life to him, all of your life, so that he'll no longer be to you some kind of divine version of fix-a-flat that you keep in the trunk of the car in case of emergencies, but Christ would become your Lord, that you would lay down all of your life to him tonight, all of your dreams, all your hopes, all your plans, your marriage, your family, you would lay at all of his feet, saying, tonight, Lord, you are worthy in light of what you've done. You paid a debt you didn't owe because I owed a debt I couldn't pay. And I submit all of my life back to him. That's the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. That though he was rich, infinitely rich, he became poor so that through his poverty, you might become rich tonight. You know, you guys know every week a song comes to mind. It's not a Christmas song, but I got one this evening. And it's all about the grace of God because this is the grace of God and listen to me, we're going to sing what uh, the, the last verse of this hymn is my favorite verse. So we're going to sing it. But as we're singing tonight, listen to me, some of you, you don't know Christ. You don't know, you don't have the certainty that if you were to die this evening that you would be right before God. And if that is you this evening, I'm encouraging you. You don't need me and you don't need another pastor. You just need Jesus. And he's a prayer away. The Bible says whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. You could receive the greatest gift ever known to man this Christmas, salvation by faith. It's not about joining a church. It's not about doing good works. It's about submitting your life, believing in Christ tonight. And the Bible says you will be saved. And that's the grace of God. Grace, grace, God's grace. Grace that will pardon and cleanse within. Grace, grace, God's grace. Grace, listen to me, no matter how much you've done, no matter how far you've run, no matter where you've gone, where you've been or what you've done, God's grace is greater. Grace that is greater than all of our sin. We're gonna sing that last verse together. Just be seated because I want those of you that need to pray, while we're singing, you pray. You pray. You trust in Christ. The rest of us will sing this song. If you know it, sing with me. Marvelous, infinite, matchless grace Freely bestowed on all who believe All who are longing to see His face Will you this moment His grace receive?
going to sing that chorus one more time, just the voices. Grace, grace, God's grace, grace that will part and cleanse. Grace, grace.